You're listening to Hardwired with Jeff Wickwire. Here's what's coming up in today's edition. It says in Genesis 22 that at that time when God spoke this to him, King Abimelech, a pagan king, spoke to Abraham saying, God is with you in all that you do. We have watched you, Abraham. And we know that whatever you touch turns to gold. We know that you are blessed. We know that God is favoring you. So he had this testimony that here was a man that God was with. Have you ever experienced God's favor in your life? Have you ever known someone who's basking in God's goodness? In today's message from Pastor Jeff, he wants you to know that if you want to make a U-turn, change your life for the better, lean into God's promises. He wants nothing more than to shine His grace into your life, and all you need to do is accept His gift. There's nothing that you could ever do to save yourself. Leave your burdens at the feet of Jesus and be forever changed. Well, let's join Pastor Jeff in the book of Hebrews chapter 11 as he begins his message, Abraham's Toughest Test. Hebrews 11 is God's hall of faith. That's what it's called, God's hall of faith. And it's all about the various luminaries of the Bible who walked by faith and what they achieved, what they obtained, things they went through. Now, there is another account of all of this, and of course, it's in Genesis 22. Genesis 22 gives us the narrative, the laid out drama of Abraham being visited by God to offer up his only son. Hebrews 11 tells us a couple of things that Genesis 22 does not. So I'm going to be going back and forth, Genesis 22, Hebrews 11, throughout this message. And let me just share how all this happened. Here is Abraham. God appeared to him in Ur of the Chaldees. And God said to him, I want you to leave this place. Then when Abraham, then Abram, left with his father and his nephew Lot, and they traveled, and the Bible says that they stopped off in Haran, And thinking they were only going to make a pit stop, they ended up staying there for years. And in doing so, Abram missed God. He missed God. But he got back on track, went to the promised land. And we all know the miracle that when he was 100 and Sarah was 90, they conceived and and she bore a son. And they named him Isaac, which means laughter, because after all, you're going to laugh or be in shock over a 100-year-old man and a 90-year-old woman having a child. So they had laughter. But now we have an event. Here they are sojourning in the promised land. And God appears to Abraham now again and says something to him that blows his mind. He can't wrap his mind around this. God said, I want you to take now your son, your only son, Isaac, whom I know you love. I want you to take him, go to the land of Moriah and offer him there as a burnt offering on one of the mountains of which I shall show you, say what? Wait a minute, God. You're telling me to take my only son who I waited for for 25 years, who is the supreme testimony of our faith walk with God and sacrifice him? Are you kidding me? What is this about? When this came to Abraham, this visit from God, he was about a 120-year-old man. He had a testimony of a man who walked with God and somebody that had the Midas touch. It says in Genesis 22 that at that time when God spoke this to him, 
King Abimelech, a pagan king, spoke to Abraham saying, God is with you in all that you do. We have watched you, Abraham, and we know that whatever you touch turns to gold. We know that you are blessed. We know that God is favoring you. So he had this testimony that here was a man that God was with. Yet God comes to him and says, I want you to sacrifice your son. Now, the Bible tells us why God did this. It said he wanted to test Abraham. Because what men think of us, like Abimelech or other worldly people, what they think of us doesn't matter near as much as what God thinks of us. See, I care a whole lot more about the smile of God than I do the smile of men. I really do. Because the smile of men is there one day and gone the next. The favor of men is as fickle as the weather. They like you one day, don't like you the next. You cannot put all of your eggs in the basket of what people think about you. But Abraham cared about the smile of God. And God wanted to see where he was really at in his commitment to him the man of faith, the father of our faith. I want to see where you're really at, Abraham. I want to see how deep your faith goes. I want to see if you will prefer me over the darling of your heart, over the dearest thing in your life. I want to see if you'll choose me. So it says he tested him. and It was a very costly thing indeed that God asked him for on that fateful night. That unexpected word from the Lord, I'm telling you, I know it sent Shock waves through his heart. Now, I'm going to clarify for you what God was asking him for. And I'm going to forewarn you, it's a little bit graphic. But here it is. He wanted Abraham to travel with his son, Isaac, who was still a teenager. He was around 16 to 18 years old. I want you to go on a three-day journey. It was three days and nights from where God spoke to him to Moriah, the mountain of Moriah. And I want you to build there, Abraham, an altar of stones on one of those mountains. And then I want you to make a platform of wood on top of the stones. Then, Abraham, I want you to lie Isaac down on that wood. Then I want you to take a knife. Now, this is what a sacrifice was in the Old Testament. I'm just going to tell you. Then Abraham was to take a knife, slit Isaac's throat in the same way that a sacrificial lamb was slain. That's all Abraham knew. Finally, he would light the wood and burn his son's body as an offering to God. Everybody say heavy. Say it like you really mean it. That's heavy stuff. That's heavy stuff. Now, I want you to keep in mind, like I've already mentioned, they had waited 25 years for this boy. This boy was the crowning achievement of their walk of faith. This was the greatest thing they'd ever seen in their walk of faith. And now God is saying, Take him and sacrifice him on this mountain. Now, here's the deal. Here's the deal. Abraham could have gotten up the next day and totally ignored what God had told him to do. He could have ignored this stunning interaction that he had with Jehovah God. He could have refused to do it and nobody would have known. Nobody around him would have known that he was disobeying God. Nobody would have known. You know why? Because God spoke only to him in the quiet of his heart. And this is precisely how God was going to find out whether Abraham really feared him or not. Because no one knew. If I disobey God, nobody knows. If I walk away from this call, nobody knows. Just me and God. This is between him and Jehovah. 
Now, church, let me tell you that this is one of the ways that God tests us as well. He speaks to us secretly in our heart. Right now, if you're a believer in Christ, the Holy Ghost lives inside of you, and the Holy Ghost speaks to us, nudges us, moves on us, says things to us, quickens things to us. You can be driving down the road and all of a sudden know that God has told you to do something. It's a nudge. Unmistakable. It's that still, small voice. And and one of the reasons that you have that private place, that private place called your soul, called your thought life, is not only so that God can fellowship with you, because he does fellowship with us there. Paul said the holy, the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you. So we fellowship with him there, but also there are times God will speak to us, nudge us to do something, to take some action, and no one knows but you and God. No one knows. When I started the ministry, years and years ago, still as a teenager, I started preaching when I was 18. So I was moving off into the ministry, just getting my feet wet in it, just beginning to stick my toes in the water of ministry and and get acquainted with it and kind of learn the ropes. And God spoke to my heart one day and he said, Jeff, I want you to go to your father and I want you to make things right with him. Well, see, I knew that God knew immediately that me and my dad had been separated, estranged for years because I was angry at him because he'd walked out on us and I was angry at him because I'd listened to my mother cry herself asleep at night and I got angry at him and it turned into a root of bitterness. And so here I am and I'm starting off in the ministry and all of a sudden in the quiet of my heart, I knew that God was saying to me, I want you to go to your dad and make it right with him. And I rebuked it, bound it, loosed it, ignored it, but it kept coming back and kept coming. I wish I could say that I'd obeyed God as quickly as Abraham obeyed God. I didn't. I sat on it for weeks, probably months. But I knew that somehow that things were being held back, that I wasn't getting the full blessing of God until I did what he told me to do. And nobody around me knew that God had told me this. No one. So one day I swallowed hard and said, okay. And I called my dad and said, I'm going to come over. Can we talk? And I sat down with my dad, who was not a believer. I sat down with my dad on the couch. And I looked at him and I said, dad, listen, I need you to forgive me for all the ways I hurt you. And he said, I don't need you to forgive you. Get off of you. We're okay. We're okay. We're okay. You know, masculine. And I said, no, we're not okay. I need to hear you tell me that you forgive me. And I forgive you, dad. We can't be this way. And so I sat down. It took about 30 minutes, but we did it. My dad was not a believer. Like I said, he didn't understand this forgiveness thing, but he did it and he said it. And when I walked away, suddenly I saw doors begin to open and I had some powerful experiences with the Holy Spirit of God and my calling just launched. You see, God was testing me to see whether or not I would obey him. So I want to take into account now the three things that I see in Abraham's life. In this particular uh, passage of scripture we read in Hebrews 11, now say them with me, Abraham's obedience, Abraham's trust, and Abraham's faith. Now these three things are in this short verses in Hebrews, and I'm going to take them one at a time because they all apply to you and me. First, let's, let's talk about Abraham's obedience. The Bible says in Hebrews 11:17. By faith, 
Abraham, when he was tested with this word that came into his heart, offered up Isaac. That word offered up might as well say obeyed. He immediately obeyed God. And he who had received the promises offered up his only begotten son. On hearing God's command in the quiet of his heart, he immediately, he stepped out. The Bible says Abraham rose early that next morning. He didn't even sleep late. He didn't get up with a cup of coffee and try to figure out whether or not he was going to do this. He got up immediately. Early the next morning, saddled up his donkey, loaded up enough goods for a three-day journey, took two young men and Isaac, his only begotten son, and headed for the mountains. You know what he went so far to do? He went so far as to be the one who split the wood that would be used to sacrifice him. I don't know about you. I'm a dad. I got two children. And I cannot comprehend this. I was going to have to give one of them up. But to pick up the axe and split the wood that I know I'm going to lay my son down on top of. See, this man is moving in something we don't understand, but we're going to understand it better by the end of the day. He's moving in something powerful here. He got up. We've all heard how a decision can put you between a rock and a hard place. You see, Abraham was between a rock and a heart place. Rock and a heart place. The rock was God's will, and it always is. The rock was God's will, his word, his revealed will. Take now your son, your only son, Isaac, whom you love, and go to the land of Moriah and offer him up there. That was the rock. Now, the heart place was those three words, whom you love. I want you to take your son, your only son, who I know, Abraham, I know where your heart is. I know you love him. God acknowledged the love Abraham had for his son. Take your only son whom you love. That was the heart place. See, God is asking him for the thing nearest and dearest to his heart. God wanted to know, will you choose me over the nearest and dearest thing to your heart? It can be a person. It can be a place. It can be a thing. But I want to tell you that invariably, in our walk with the Lord, there's going to be times we are required to choose between the rock and the heart place. The will of God over the attachments of our heart. And in a contest between the two, Abraham let it be known real quickly what he was going to side with. He said, well, I pick God because I know that my God, if I obey him, somehow it's all going to work out. And so I'm just going to obey him. I'm not going to pick anything on this earth above God. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Put his kingdom first, and his kingdom is the king of the kingdom. Put the king of the kingdom first and his righteousness, and all these other things will take care of themselves. Matthew 6, 33. So the first thing we learn from Abraham in a contest between emotions and obedience to God we choose God and choose him immediately. The longer you wait, the longer you're going to wait. Some of you need to obey God in something here today. There's something in your life that you should have obeyed God weeks ago. You better go on and do it because the longer you wait, the longer you're going to wait. Do it now. So everybody say with me, obedience and choosing God. 
over my earthly attachments. Now that's lordship, church. That's lordship. Now the next thing that stands out to me in this story is Abraham's amazing, unbelievable trust in God. Abraham could never have obeyed God to this level if he had not thoroughly and deeply trusted him. Let me give you a little principle. You will never obey whom you cannot trust. You will never obey whom you cannot trust. And you will never trust until you know a person's character. The more you know a person's character, the more you're going to trust. See, we have a little saying around here. I think we've already done it today. We say all the time, God is good, and all the time, and all the time, God is good. Now, that may sound like some silly little church saying, little formula that might be getting a little bit old. But see, there is something in that little saying that is true. That is, what you believe about God matters. If you don't believe that God is good, you're never going to trust God. I was talking to a woman this week who said, I am having such a difficult time trusting God because of things that she had gone through. And I want to tell you, folks, we need to learn who God is. God is righteous. God is good. God is dependable. God is loyal. God is a covenant-keeping God. His word is true. You can stand on it, you can walk on it, you can live by it, you can die by it, you can stake your life on it, and the more that I learn about God, the more I trust him because he is totally trustworthy. Amen? See, there are people who don't come to him and don't give him their life because they're so afraid of what God is going to ask them to do. But God's not going to ask you to do anything that is not ultimately superior for your life over anything you could have chosen. God is a good God. He loved us so much that he did not withhold his only begotten son. See, I know that Abraham got to this incredible place of trust because what God spoke to him was a total contradiction to everything he told him before. Watch this. Without Isaac... None of the promises God had made to Abraham could ever come to pass. He said, I'm going to make you a great nation. That required Isaac. I'm going to make you a blessing to all the nations of the world. That required Isaac. I'm going to make your name great. That required Isaac. Out of your descendants, Abraham, is going to come the Messiah, the Savior of the world. That required Isaac. So Abraham was faced with what seemed like an enormous contradiction. God promised to bring forth offspring through Isaac, but now God commanded him to offer Isaac up. What in the world is going on here? What's this about? The promise and the command seem to flatly contradict each other. Now, here is where the shining, amazing, awesome extent of Abraham's trust is revealed. He didn't know how God was going to deal with this contradiction, but he just believed it was all going to pan out. He just trusted God. Well, I don't know how you're going to do this, Lord, but I trust you. People ask me, Pastor Jeff, are you a premillennialist or a postmillennialist or a mid-millennialist? That is, you believe the rapture is going to happen before the tribulation, at the end of the tribulation, or in the middle of the tribulation. I say, I'm a pan-millennialist. Well, what do you mean by that? I never heard of that. I believe it's all going to pan out. It's all going to pan out. I really do believe that's all going to pan out. If he doesn't come and get me before the tribulation, that's okay. I'll go through it. If he gets me at the end, if he gets me in the middle, I know. Listen, I just know that he's going to come back because he said so. 
And so it's all going to pan out. It is. But see, Abraham just said, I don't understand how it's going to all work out, but I trust you. And the reason I trust you is I trust in the immutable, righteous, holy character of almighty God. He's not going to burn you. He's not going to leave you. He's not going to lie to you. He's not going to sell you short. He's not going to walk away from you. Oh, I'm with you always, even to the end of the world. You can totally trust in his character. The Bible says, trust in the Lord with all of your heart and lean not to your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge his lordship and he will make smooth your path. Commit your way to the Lord. Trust also in him, the psalmist said, and he will bring it to pass. I love that preposition, it, because it's open-ended. Whatever it is, the will of God, the purpose of God, what you're believing him for, commit your way to the Lord, trust also in him, and he will bring your it to pass. So say with me, he obeyed the Lord, and he trusted the character of the Lord. And then you got to talk about Abraham's faith, because he's the father of our faith. And here is where it gets really beautiful and powerful. And I do feel like I'm stepping on holy ground when I move into this area, because the more I look at this, the more I see that Abraham's faith at this point in this story has reached rarefied error. He is where no one on earth had ever gone before in his faith. He is absolutely in his own stratosphere. No one had touched the level of faith Abraham had right here. I'm going to tell you how he could walk so steadily towards that mountain Three days and nights had to have been the longest journey of his life. But three days and nights headed towards that mountain with Isaac right here, carrying the wood. Carrying the wood. And I can tell you how every night when they pitched tent, he went right to sleep and woke up early the next morning and kept on going. And he didn't flinch. He kept on going. I'm going to tell you how he did it. Hebrews 11:19 tells us what Genesis 22 does not. It says that Abraham was concluding that God was able to raise Isaac from the dead. Do you know how he walked resolutely towards that mountain? He said, I know what's going to happen. Here is where my faith is gone. And mark you, 2,000 years this was before Christ, and nobody had ever been raised from the dead. By Abraham's time, nobody. He was believing for an unprecedented, never-before-seen miracle from God. This is where his faith went. I know what's going to happen. I'm going to offer him. I'm going to lay him on that wood. I'm going to set it on fire. I'm going to offer him as a sacrifice to the Lord. And somehow, some way, the God whose character I trust is going to raise my son from the dead. That's where he was. Wow. He gave instruction to the servants when they got in sight of Moriah. I love this. He said, stay here with the donkey, boys. Now, there's two young men he brought with him. And Isaac, he said, stay here with the donkey while I and the boy Isaac go over there. We're going to that mountain. That's where it's going to happen. And we are going to worship. And then we will come back to you. Abraham, you apparently haven't understood. God told you to offer up your boy. He's going to be dead. No, 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 no. His faith saw beyond circumstances. He said... Stay right here. I am confident of this one thing, that me and the boy are coming back. You're going to see us again. 
you ever been tested in your faith? Whether you realized it or not, God has put you through trials at some point in your walk with Him. Today, Pastor Jeff showed you the importance of these tests. It's never to hurt or ruin you. Instead, God puts you through these difficult times to see if you'll choose Him first. No matter how glorious the promises of the world may seem, God's grace is the only thing that can save you from the pain of this world. We'd love for you to have additional resources. Here's Diane with more. You've been listening to Hardwired with Jeff Wickwire. Would you be interested in helping support this ministry as we further the gospel? All you have to do is text 817-484-4767 and enter the word GIVE to donate. We're so grateful for your continued support in listening to this program and also investing in the ministry. Once again, text GIVE to 817-484-4767 to GIVE. Here's Daniel one more time with a sneak peek about the next edition. When Abraham was forced to choose between his beautiful son and God's promises, he made the tough call to do what's right in the sight of the Lord. It's easy to have thoughts about making the right choice, but how do you respond when you have to choose between God or the world? In the next installment of Hardwired, Pastor Jeff explains the importance of always putting God first, no matter what. Even when you think you know better, God's plan will always provide. That's all the time we have for today. Thanks for tuning in for this edition of Hardwired with Jeff Wickwire. You can listen to more messages from this and other books of the Bible by visiting hardwired.org. Join us next time to continue our study in the book of Genesis right here on Hardwired.